You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. Agreement that God's will is going to be done on the earth. You believe that tonight? The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. There's a responsibility that we have to play in the kingdom of God. And that responsibility is that many times the Holy Spirit does not usually in mature believers exert himself past the point that you're willing to exert yourself. Make sense? Many times God will do a miracle and do something special for you, but there comes a point where he expects us as believers to seek and to press. That's how the kingdom of God comes. People say, I've never seen God do nothing in my life. I just, you know, where's God in my life? And God says the whole time, and I told you, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Do you know the people that are always receiving from God? You know what they are? Knockers. What's the difference between asking and seeking and knocking? It's all the same thing. Just restated. It means be persistent and faithful in your seeking God. Very rarely did Jesus say anything that didn't have to do with the coming of his kingdom. He wasn't talking about candy land and ways to make your life better. He was talking about how to align your life with the kingdom. You say, what's the kingdom of God? I'll be teaching Tuesday nights so we start our church on the kingdom. But the purpose that you have in this life is not your job. Your purpose is not just your family. Your family's purpose, your purpose, and the reason why you have a job, all of that comes under the purpose of God's kingdom. You believe that tonight? People that don't know their purpose are depressed. People that don't know their purpose don't know what to do with their money. You want to see a person that wastes their money? Find somebody that has no idea what my purpose is. Do you believe it tonight? But when you find the kingdom of God in your place in the kingdom. Do you know what happens? You immediately discover your organic, authentic purpose. And all of the blessing and resources that God gives to you start going towards that purpose. And you will find your life fulfillment. Amen. We've been talking about, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to run tonight. Someone say run. Is it last night? Of transformation of the heart. Now I said before we're going to Tuesdays, the hotel just didn't have a room for us. I said, you guys wore us out. Have these loud rock and roll services. Come back another day. So we're not having that Tuesdays. You said, well, Tuesdays, right? I'm inside of Tuesdays. That's okay. Yeah, early on Tuesdays. Come out. We're teaching on the kingdom. How many kingdom are we? Just some of you came to our how to study the Bible series. You should know how to study the Bible now. Amen. It was enriching, I believe. But I'm going to be ministering unto you. I'm not going to be teaching. I'm going to be preaching, ministering to your heart. We did a series called How to Study the Bible, and I was reaching people's heads. And from time to time, I'll do that. I'll bring you into a classroom setting and teach you so that you know how to do things yourself. I have a mentor in my life, and he always says this. Chris, preaching is for the weak. Get them and teach them. <laughs> you believe that. But I don't like teaching. You better like teaching. <laughs> That's how you're going to establish your life. Hello, can you guys can you smile at me? Make me feel good tonight. Man, man, did I, did you don't like my outfit? What is it? I don't know. That is college ministry. That's what it is. My tie. It's my black tie tonight, right? You, know, you don't like my tie. You like my black tie. It's black, right? Black, right? Come on, smile tonight. Laugh at my joke. Just pretend I'm funny, okay? No, it's gold. Or black. You decide. Proverbs chapter 18. This is what it says here. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Someone say offended. Look at a neighbor and say, you're not offended, are you? Look to the neighbor to your right and say, neighbor, are you offended? Look to the neighbor to the left and say, you're not offended, are you? Look to the neighbor behind you and say, neighbor, I like the way the back of your head looks. Everybody always follows for it. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. 
And then it says, arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. This is the scripture is basically saying that when you get offended and start arguing with people, it is a good chance that you're going to destroy and ruin that relationship. As a minister now for almost a decade, the number one thing that people come to me about, and any other pastor that is in the area, they'll tell you that people come to pastors with relationship problems. If you want to draw a crowd of people, start ministering on relationships. Everybody is going to bring their moms and their dads and they're going to want to hear what you have to say because the point of interest in society, in church, in families, is relationships because you cannot get away from them. Unless you were Tom Hanks and Castaway, you're going to have to have some relationships in this life. Can't get a volleyball and put a smiley face on it. That's not going to suffice. It's going to get old. You're going to have to get relationships. And guess what? You're going to have to be good at relationships for your life to be a success. People, if someone says, I'm blessed, you determine how a person's blessed by looking at the relationship with other people. How do you know I'm blessed? Because you see fruitful relationships. Are you here? How do you know someone's not blessed? And not walking in the blessing of God. Look at their relationships. They don't have friends. They don't have people they can call. No one ever asks them to be a part of nothing. And you say, this person's not blessed. And that should tell you something. When someone can never get along with other people, that means there's something wrong with the other people, right? No. Something's wrong with them. But you know, the problem's with this person. And then the problem's with this person. The problem's with this person. I don't like no wife. I don't like my kids. I don't, I don't like my dog. I don't like my tarantula. I don't like my lizard. I just don't like nobody. No, 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 no. The treasure doesn't like you. Your wife doesn't like you. Nobody likes you because you are a rod of offense to people everywhere you go. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your neighbor, okay? <laughs> so the Bible says here that when you offend people and you get into arguments with people, you're going to have to exert more energy in your life and waste stuff trying to win those people back to you. Someone said, I don't want to do that. Look what it says here in Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Let me take you through some scripture. I feel like preaching tonight, man. We're going to go slow. We're going to start up like a grass cutter. We're going to one pull. I mean, two pulls. When I get that third pull, I'm going, and you're following, you're not following me. Someone says, You're hyper. I says, Yes, I'm hyper. I used to eat Pixie Sticks as a kid. I still haven't got them out of my system. Luke 17, verse 1. Then he said unto his disciples, Jesus is talking. It's impossible, muy imposible, molto impossible, for those that speak Italian, that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. Jesus is talking here again about offenses. Then it says here in Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there and coming to his hometown. Someone say, uh-oh, hometown. Boy, this is the most challenging thing Jesus ever did. You think it was healing the deaf. You think it was healing uh, uh, the blind. You think it was walking on the water. No, the most challenging thing Jesus ever had to do was go back to his hometown. Like when you move back from college, you learned everything, you know everything, then you go home and live with mom and dad again, right? He comes back to his hometown. He taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. Here comes the anointed Jesus. He's been out preaching messages. And people were flocking all over the place. And they couldn't even get around Jesus because everyone was trying to touch him. He's rock star status. Bigger than a rock star. Bigger than the Beatles. Here comes Jesus walking around. Then all of a sudden, the father tells him, Jesus, it's time for you to go back to your hometown. And then it says, when he got to his hometown and started teaching, it was different. The people said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And it says here, they took offense at him. Touch your neighbor and say, they were offended. Does anybody have any idea what I'm preaching on tonight? Anybody got a clue? <laughs> preaching on joy. <laughs> Come on, laugh. Okay, laugh. I don't, 
I don't intend. I'm trying to be in a good mood tonight. Amen. It's Friday. I realized I woke up this not Monday. I've been really, all these services. I've been thinking it's Monday. It's Friday in the service. Amen. <laughs> Write this down if you're taking notes. Offense in your life is a cancer to the work that God is doing inside your heart. We have been talking about the condition of a person's heart. Are you here? I said a couple weeks ago, the reason why in the first week we talked about the importance of your heart. That everything that Jesus had to talk about had to do with your heart. Amen? Amen. Everything Jesus was speaking on had to do with the kingdom and your entrance into that kingdom, which is by way of the position of your heart. That you don't enter the kingdom of God through flesh and blood. You don't enter the kingdom of God through works of service. The real way that you gain access into the kingdom of God is through the position and the stature of your heart. Are you here tonight, church? Amen. Come on, stay with me. Stay with me. I know people coming in the door. Just pay attention up here. Amen. Well, people coming in. Go ahead. So then we talked about how that when your heart starts going towards the things of God, the number one reason why people don't ever enter the kingdom or why God can never do work in people's heart is because a person gets a hard heart. And a hard heart is a heart that resists the reconciliation and the transformation and everything that God is doing to reach that person and bring heaven into their life. Then people come into church and something's happened. And they resist what the preacher has to say because the preacher talks too fast. They resist what the preacher has to say because he's not dressed the way they like him. Because he has flip-flops or holes in his jeans or because he got a suit and tie. Their heart is hard. And when your heart is hard, very rarely is God able to reach you. But if the Spirit of God starts ministering to you and he gets in there, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the hammer, and start busting up that hard heart. Someone say amen to this. Amen. Come on, let's get loud in here. It's six feet. Right. He should be on. Yeah, amen. Say amen. Someone say amen. Amen. All right. It's better. And then after you have a hard heart, the next thing is you receive a broken heart. That doesn't mean that, you know, you love your life, ripped up your valentine doesn't mean that they defriended you from Facebook and now you're just so, so sad. They don't send you Snapchats the way they used to. This is not the broken heart I'm talking about. The broken heart I'm talking about is when you start responding to God in a sheer dependence upon Him. Tough situations of your life. Confusing moments of your life. You start going to God. When you mess up, you go to Him right away and you say, God, I want to be a person after your heart. I'm broken before you. I need you even in my success. I need you. The times that I have been most concerned in my life, the times that I have been most watchful are not the times of failure. They're the times of success because I know that when I have it today, I could lose it tomorrow. I know that this might be as good as it gets. And if this is as good as it gets, there's no way to go from here except down. You watch people. Everyone has their season. What goes up? must come down. So when you're in your season, that is when you should be the most watchful. Because may God may give it to you today, and you may not have it tomorrow. So even in your success, you have a position where your heart is for God. So the broken heart releases the power of God in your life. Then, to maintain the power of God in your life, you have to have an obedient heart. Do you know what happens a lot of times? Is people receive God's power. They get a miracle. They come to a supernatural service and they get a miracle from God. Are you here tonight? Yes. God touches them. They get a healing. And then what happens is they forget to be obedient. They start going back and tweeting stupid stuff. They start going on Facebook and fighting. They start looking at things on the internet that they said they weren't going to look at no more. They start treating their wives mean and start treating their husbands rude. And they stop going to church and they start holding back their tithes. And it's May. And they say, well, I gave an offering back in January. You know, isn't that offering still good? <laughs> well, you know, I'm just letting my tithes build up for a while. I'll give it. And you know, you're never going to get around to those tithes again. Never coming back. Well, you, no, 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 no. You start walking disobedience, and then you look at your life and you say, "Where's the power of God in my life? How come I, why is everything drying up?" It's because you became disobedient. Yeah. 
And to have a blessed life, you have to be obedient to God. When you see somebody, you know, like the old cartoons, Wiley Coyote's walking around and everything's going right, and then that cloud starts following him, and it just starts raining. And it's not raining on the Roadrunner, but it's raining on Wiley Coyote. Come on, anyone else? I'm the one that watched Looney Tunes. That cloud's gone. When you're disobedient, that cloud starts following you. It starts raining on you. You just walk around. Why is everything going bad? Why is everything? Shake off the disobedience. Start obeying God. Are you here tonight? Have a Start obeying God. And guess what starts happening? The sun will come on again and you'll start walking in the blessing. Thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Then you release the power of God in your life because you're obedient. But then, in order to increase the power of God in your life, it takes more than obedience. You become like David. We talked about this last week. You say, not only am I going to walk in obedience, I'm going to be a person after the heart of God. This is a hungry heart. You start hungering and thirsting after God. We talked about last week that the reason Solomon lost his temple, the reason why he started acting the fool and why the glory of God was stripped from the temple of Solomon was because he never preserved it. And that's because the temple didn't come out of his heart. It came out of his father David's heart. David was the one thinking about the temple. You know when you're giving something, someone gives something to you, you're less likely to take care of it. My dad used to teach me that. He says, you want something, son? Yeah, you're going to have to earn it. Because if I give it to you, you're going to abuse it. You're not going to know the price it costs to have what it costs you. So I maybe have to see you struggle. I maybe have to see you, well, why are you going to go through all this struggle? Because you're learning character. You're learning the value of something. Are you here? Because you know how to preserve that thing in your life. And the big problem was, is Solomon didn't know what it cost to have the presence of God in his life. And that's why he started dating foreign women. That's why he started collecting horses. Because he didn't know the price that his father paid to have the possibility of that temple. The wealth of Israel didn't come from Solomon. The wealth of Israel came from his father David. Are you here tonight? Yes. When you walk in obedience and have a blessed heart, when you do these things, you start seeing the power of God yes. released in your life, and you know how to maintain it. Are you here? Yes. Amen. Well, that was a good service. Y'all go on home. Amen. But, I wanted to save this to the end. There is something in your life you say, I went to Chris Palmer's services. I saw him spamming Facebook every Friday, same poster over and over again, every email. I went to all six services. I learned about the heart. I got hungry. Okay, everything's going right. So you're walking for blessing. Then all of a sudden, that old schemer, that old trickster, that old wily coyote, the devil, comes walking around. And the Bible says that he has trap for you, sister. You said, no, not for me. No, for you. Well, don't think you're upset, brother Steve, because he has a trap for you. Because the devil hates the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to be talking about what the church is. The church is the Greek word ekklesia. I know you all know that. And the word ekklesia is not a New Testament word. This is an Old Testament it's the Old Testament word synagogue. And the Apostle Paul never uses the word synagogue. He uses the word ecclesia, which means the gathering of God's people. Every time in the Old Testament you see the prophecies that God is going to regather his people, it's talking about in the form of a gathering. So when you see church in the New Testament, it's not just a steeple with a cross on it. It is a body and a people that God is gathering. It's not just Israel. It is the Jews. It is also the Mexicans. It's also the Armenians. It's also the Australians. It's also the Italians. It's also the Africans. All around the world. And the devil saw that when Jesus Christ died, when he rose again, he sent the Holy Ghost to fill his people no longer in a temple, no longer in Solomon's court. He says, I'm going to put it inside of the nations, the people that I gathered up again. I'm going to release my spirit so they can be my body that fills all in all. Hello, somebody. My time is the Pope. I know, no, no, no. 
It's anybody that has Jesus in their heart. It's any, you don't know why you said we don't have No, you can maintain your culture. You can eat whatever food your culture eats. You can sing whatever songs your culture sings. But guess what? You got the Holy Ghost in your spirit. You don't lose your culture, you keep it, but with the fullness of God's power. Amen. And no social pride. Yes, right. And the devil says, oh, I can't have this. No, 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 we, we can't have this. No, I can't see Latinos and blacks coming together. I can't see that. No, 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 I can't see whites and blacks coming together. The devil hates this. That's right. Because there's nothing in the world like it. You know, today in the world, they have to force you at work to get along with other races. Just because you sign a statement that says you will not be biased doesn't remove the racism out of a person's heart. Just because you'll be gender equality and respect female, the male's the same. Guess what? You can sign it, and when you punch out at 5 o'clock, you can still hate the other race. There's only one thing that can take the racism in a person's heart and snap it to pieces. And that is the coming of the promised Holy Spirit. I tell people, you'll never grow a church. You'll never raise kids the way you're supposed to unless you look at that racism in your life and say, get out. Why can't I have God's benefit? Because you're a respecter of race. I can go to a black church, white church. I can go to whatever, Smurf church, whatever it is, where there's blue people walking around. I haven't been to that church. And I can get down with whatever they're doing. That's right. Because I see the Holy Ghost in that person. Yes, yes, yes. I see the Spirit. Are you here tonight? Yes. Even though I write these notes, what do I spend all my days doing these things? So the devil sees a church. He says, oh my God, what am I going to do? The devil calls his little demons and his amps and he says, we got to have a bait. We have to come up with a plan because there's so much power in this. And he says, what's going to be our bait? And the Bible calls this offense. Look, if you have your Bible, Romans chapter 9, verse 33. Someone say, uh-oh. Doug Palmer's heating up. I used to say that to my brother when we were playing one-on-one. I'd hit one shot and hit the other. I said, oh, your little brother's heating up, Mike. He'd just tackle me and it'd be over with, right? Some of your younger siblings in here, raise your hand. You're young, okay? You know what I'm talking about, right? Even when you see him now, you got that psychological edge. Everything's going good. You see your older brother, like, oh, you're shape up, right? I won't read it. Write this down if you take notes. Offense is the negative attitude a person adopts. Offense is the negative attitude a person adopts after being affronted by someone or something. Now watch this. It's such a negative attitude it causes you to sin in attitude, word, and deed. And it's not just a one-time thing. When the offense gets in your heart, it usually keeps you sinning over and over and over again, producing in your life bitterness, resentment toward the person that offended you. You get all that? Let me read it again. One more time, okay? Are you here? Yeah. Offense is the negative attitude a person adopts after being affronted by someone or something so that the person sins in attitude, word, and deed. And you usually keeps on sinning as it develops bitterness and resentment towards the offending individual or situation. Now, the Apostle Paul has a very interesting way of talking about this. This is not talking about somebody rubs you the wrong way and is rude to you one time. You think, man, that guy's a real jerk. This is more than that. This is talking about when somebody does something to you that gets inside of your soul and causes it to start rotting. Offense, like I said before, is a disease. It's like, you know, when you see black mold on your wall. You don't just 
take the bread. Or like if you're like me and you have bread that lasts for two weeks. You don't know if, you don't know if the bread in your cabinet is good or if it's bad. You don't even remember when you bought it. You're just hungry and you're wondering if you can eat it at the moment, right? Think when people say amen. You look at it and you say, well, it's just one piece of bread that has green stuff all over it. What about the other pieces of bread that has green stuff all over it? If you're smart, you just throw it in a trash. But if you're like me, you see if you can get away with it and not die. I'm gonna get loaves of bread at my house. You know what I'm doing? Like, upon, send you some loaves of bread, and it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna take care of you. Amen. But the thing is, if it's on one loaf, you can guarantee it's on a couple more of those pieces. When you have offense in your heart, you can guarantee it is going to start growing. This is not, oh man, that guy's a jerk. I can't believe you said something like that. This means that someone does something to you, and on Monday, you're like, I can't believe they did that. On Tuesday, I can't believe they did that. On Wednesday, you can't believe they did that. Next Friday, I can't believe they did that. On the end of February, I can't believe, and it can go on and on and on and on. 20 years down the road, you should be past it, and you're still thinking about it. And this is what the Apostle Paul calls a scandal on. This is an offense. You know what it sounds like? The word scandal. Some of y'all know what that is. You watch it every Thursday night. You come up and get saved after this, amen? I'm just <laughs> The word scandal in the Greek is talking about a trap. It's a trap that you lay. I'm here, hunters here. Raise your hands. I'm a hunter. I'm a hunter. I used to be a hunter when I was 15 years of age. My parents got me a BB gun, a pellet gun. I wasn't old enough for a shotgun, but I wanted a pellet gun. And I used to stand outside after school in February and I used to say, I take trash cans and take the trash cans and I line them up and I put bullet, a little pebble, whatever, BBs in the trash can. I got really good with this. And I remember one time my neighbor Kevin was outside and it was a springtime. I said, you know what? I'm getting tired of shooting trash cans. <laughs> You're going to call the police on me after this. I said, I'm getting tired of shooting pop cans and I started shooting full pop cans and watching them explode. I'm getting tired of this. I said, you know what? You know what? All this practice is going to have to come in handy for something. I'm going to shoot an animal with this. So one day I said, but in order for us to get an animal, you know what? You've got to be smarter than the rabbit. I said, we're going to lay a trap for the rabbit. And, you know, we see these rabbits come over, and there was a rock right there, and we put some little carrots and whatever, stuff that rabbits eat right there by the rock. And, you know, one time we were just sitting out there hanging out, and, you know, a little rabbit started hopping out. My heart starts beating, palpitating fast, but I had lined this in. And the thing is, I'm sitting there on my deck, maybe about 20 yards away. He's sitting on the deck 20 yards away, and this rabbit has no idea that there's hunters right next to him. All he knows is there's food in sight, and that's what I'm going to get. So, <laughs> rabbit's going hopping, and I'm sitting there, yeah, keep going. And it would stop and just, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, And he hops, and all of a sudden, the rabbit just shot like, you shot me, I can't believe you shot me. Goes behind the rock, and I was successful with my first kill. Someone say amen. They're like, what's wrong with this pastor? He's, he's crazy, man. I don't know going to supernatural. I haven't killed one since, man. I didn't know what to do with it after I got it. I didn't know what to do with it. I said, what do I do with this now? It's my lucky charm, man. Yeah, rabbit stew. I got a rabbit's foot and all uh, that. It was pretty. No. They know what to do with it. But it was a trap. Someone say trap. Trap. I know. You all think I'm terrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I repented. I can't even offer give my life to Jesus after that. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Hello. Are you here? Do you know? When you allow somebody to offend you, when someone says something to you, when someone runs you the wrong way, you are that rabbit. Just walking into, hello, walking into Satan's trap. You are walking right into the trap of the devil and you do not realize it, but the enemy is sitting there ready to take you out. And the reason why, write this down, write this down, write this down. The reason why many people are suffering things that they shouldn't be suffering is because they are ignorant of the fact that Satan has laid a trap on their behalf. They're ignorant of the fact that you're walking in life, you're walking in blessing, you're walking in everything God called you to be, but you allow somebody who is insignificant in your life to trap you and trick you. So I 
people are wounded in the body of Christ because listen, the devil says, I don't need to fill them with the devil. Why do I gotta send an imp or some gross perverted devil to get them to be filled and look like raising demoniacs when all I can do is set a trap and get an offense? The biggest problem in the church is not cancer. It is not respiratory infections. It is not divorces. The biggest problem that is defeating the body of Christ is believers who are against believers. It is people that are in the congregation who in their hearts are against their pastors and their leadership. It is the fact that you're upset at the pastor that he's a certain race. It is a trap that you have walked into. It is destroying you. This is how names of God are destroyed. It's the enemy you hear comes in and gets you offended at each other. Are you here tonight? Because I can preach to you until I'm blue in the face. You can come down to the cross stand and say, Thank you, Jesus. Come by Still feeling on Saturday, so you get on Facebook and hide your favorite little thing, and you just Facebook away. And by Tuesday, you forget everything, and now you're just on the phone. I can't believe what they did. You know what she did? Oh, girl, let me tell you what she did. Here comes the trap. Write this down if you're taking notes. Satan uses offense. The bullet in Satan's gun is called offense. Offense isn't just going to rot. And I'm using strong language tonight. Your soul. It's going to change your belief system. And when a person gets offended, their actions change because the offense has changed the way you think. Not only about God, about other people, and not just about other people but about what other people think about. If you get offended at me, you know what you're going to start doubting? Whatever I represent. You say, what does this poem represent? I'm all egos. Healing, miracles, order, excellence. And the minute you get offended at me, if you never believed it in your heart, you'll now be against it. Hello, somebody. Jesus said in Scripture, Luke chapter 17, verse 1. If you got that, go over there real quick. Luke 17, verse 1. Someone say, I'm here, Brother Paul. I'm here, Brother Paul. Then he said unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Someone say, Offenses are going to come. But woe unto him through whom they come. So, Jesus said this in Scripture. It's impossible. Why are you in this earth? It's impossible that you're going to walk through it and somebody is not going to rub you the wrong way. Every single day, you're going to have a chance to be offended. I want to talk about it in just a second. Why people get offended. Every single day, you're going to have the opportunity. Look, you're going to have the opportunity to get angry in your heart towards somebody. But Jesus said, woe unto him that allows that offense to come. So write this down if you're taking notes. Knowing the fact. That people are going to rub you the wrong way. Knowing the fact that every single day it's going to happen, what should your response be? It should be that as a mature believer, you should walk with a greater sense of leniency towards other people. I was talking to someone the other day. Very impatient person. I said, for the very fact, usually the people that are impatient are the people that require the most patience. Have you noticed this? The people in your life that want to get on you about everything, small things, are usually the ones that expect you to understand when they do big things. And so I said to him, let me tell you something. For a person that requires so much patience, you shouldn't show a little bit of patience. Because as believers, to be successful in this life, you cannot determine what other people do. You can't control the people. Did you realize that? I remember one guy who said, I wanted to be the President of the United States. I wanted the whole world to do what I did when I was younger. But then when I got older, I realized it's kind of hard for you to get six billion people to do what you want. You realize that 
after growing up, when you get mature, you can't get people to do what you want. The only thing that you can do is control your heart towards other people. And the way Jesus talked about forgiveness, and the way that Jesus talked about keeping your heart right, Jesus was saying, walk with a sense of leniency towards other people. No, 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 not for their sake. You allow God to give them what they deserve. <clears throat> but in your heart, you're not going to take offense to everything. Why? Because offense is going to change what you receive in this life. And when you walk with leniency towards other people, you always set yourself up for the blessing of God. You always set yourself up for the favor of God. You always setting yourself up for a miracle because write this down. If you do not, if you allow offense in your life, it is going to ruin your expectation. Are you here tonight? The reason why you cannot expect is because the part of your heart that is designed to expect is the same part of your heart that offense takes its place when you get filled with Are you here tonight, church? Why can't I expect? Because you're offended. Why can't I receive? Because you're offended. Jesus said, go with me real quick. Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew 24, this is powerful stuff. Moto potenza. Muy poderoso. Come on, are you here tonight? This is powerful stuff. Change your life. I know somebody that I've known for 10, 15 years. I've, ne I've never seen them down in their head in the sand. You know what their trick is? They forgive quickly. They don't allow themselves to be offended. I said, why don't you allow yourself to be offended? You know what they say? Because those people aren't worth me being offended. Yeah, right. I said, hey, this person's got it right. Yeah. You think you're the spiritual one because you come to church. How oh, does the first time I'm oh, this one. Oh, yeah. And then a person walks by and gives you a drink. Get you. Tell him what I told her to say? Oh yeah, I told her. Our God is great. Jesus said this in Matthew 24. This is Jesus. Now Jesus functioned. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just God's Messiah. He was not just, not just the Christ, the Messiah of God. And he was a prophet. And functioning in that prophetic role, Jesus says, many shall be offended in the last days. People shall betray one, betray one another and shall hate one another. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. What was Jesus saying? He said, in the last days, when you know the time of the Son of Man's return, the one thing that you can look at is the fact that people's love for each other will start to wax cold. Because love wax cold, the reason is, is that people will become more self-centered. Hello, somebody. You say, how do I know this is the last days? How do I know that this is the end of time? You see people that have a love for themselves in a way that we've never seen it before. You can't help going someplace today and not seeing somebody. You know, for every selfie that's good, there's 40 bad ones. Amen? Some people, there's 100 bad ones. You spend two hours trying to get the selfie right. You just don't like my shirt. No, no, no. I got nothing wrong with selfie. You got nothing wrong with selfie? Come take a selfie, man. Do it, take a selfie after service. Just hashtag it. Do it, take a selfie after service. But I'm talking about this. People today, people today have fallen in love with themselves. Now watch this. When people fall in love with themselves and they become more self-centered, there will be a greater desire, a greater tendency to be offended because you care more about what people think than you ever have before. There has never been a time in the history of mankind where people get so offended by stupid little stuff. Everywhere you go today is PC. You can't say that. Why can't I say that? Because it's just not politically correct to say that. Why? Who are we offended? I always wonder, who are we offended by saying all this stuff? Who am I offended by saying Merry Christmas? Who? Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy whatever. Who am I offended? Nobody gets offended by this kind of 
stuff. But today, we are so concerned about what people think of us because we have become a selfish nation. And this is not how God has called his people to be. Because the love of self has filled people's hearts that people now today, they don't care about what, what did they say about me. I don't like what you said about me. They didn't like my shirt. They didn't like my shoes. Then get over it. Are you here? That's because people have taken their eyes off of Jesus. And so today, people are not as interested in other people as they are about themselves. This is what happens when churches start. Why the leadership breaks up. People don't join leadership in a church because of their needs. I used to serve. Before I was preaching, I used to do all sorts of stuff. And I never cared about what I looked like. I never cared about what people thought of me. I did not care about anything I did. Do you know why? Because Jesus Christ told me to do it. Jesus said, clean those clothes. Jesus said, clean those clothes. Jesus said, give up your time. What guy's going to cost me gas to go every day? Do it. Because if you do it, I'll bless you. If you're obedient, then I'll touch you. And you know what? People that are obeying God and are concerned about what God thinks about them, they're only concerned about what God says about them, are less likely to be offended because they don't care about what other people think. Amen. Someone say, I care about what God thinks. Look at him and say, I care about what God thinks. I don't care what people think about me. God commissioned me in my ministry. You know what he told me? He says, always look your best. He said, I always do things the best. He said, why are you wear a suit, you know? You're a young guy, you should wear jeans. I said, because I like to look my best in Jesus. I represent the king. I want to look sharp. I don't care what other people do. Let them do. That's between them and God. But I represent Jesus. And I don't care what people think about me. And guess what? It has released inside of me a freedom. You can't offend me. You know why? Because I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you just think about me. How about that? What do you think they used to be? Well, that's okay. Good for them. I care about what God thinks about me. What do you think that your pants are too tight? Well, let it be tight. I care about what God thinks about me. Someone say, I don't care what people think. Usually, you know when I was sitting somewhere two days ago, <laughs> this guy comes walking in, and he starts, he just owns, it was a coffee shop, and he just owns the whole place. He walks in, and I said, there's this guy again. Don't come talk to me, man. <laughs> and he's like, he loves God? Holy Ghost still? He starts working the room? Working the room? Tell me about Jesus. I said, well, he's going to get to me. He's going to find out I'm a preacher. So he starts wondering, how are you doing there? I said, oh. <laughs> so I need to introduce this guy to Brother Jordan. <laughs> he said, how are you doing there? I said, these people don't even know what they're in for. He said, can I tell you a joke? I said, oh, he's going to use the joke technique. He starts telling jokes. And he starts telling people about Jesus. And then you know what he says to them? I just want you to let you know that God loves you today. Right. You know, he's taking your sins as far as the east is from the west. And the people are just like, they don't know what to say. They're not trying to run from him. They're like, will you pray for me? Yeah, yeah. And here I am, studying, doing something, doing my homework. I'm thinking like, maybe I should be doing what this guy's doing. <laughs> so he comes over to me and he's like, how you doing? I said, I'm a Bible student. I know everything about this. I said, I'm a Bible student. You preach it to the choir. Go get those people. Go get those people. He said, oh my God, I was about. And he said, and then all of a sudden, you know what he did? There was a couple, I think, by looking at them, they were on a blind date. They must have met each other on like Match.com or something, you know? Just by the way it went down when they walked in. They hadn't seen each other in a while, that's for sure. It doesn't take a psychologist to figure it out. <laughs> I gotta see this. <laughs> and they're sitting on these two couches, like right next to each other by the fireplace, talking. And there's one chair there. You know what this guy does? He comes sit down and goes, how you guys doing? I said, oh. <laughs> and he starts telling them about Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm thinking to myself, go get him. Tell him about Jesus. Tell him. Get him from doing something stupid. Tell him. <laughs> and he gets up there and he just says, oh, okay. Well, you guys have a blessed day. God bless you. God love you. I just want to let you know God loves you. He's not judging you for anything that you're doing right now. He loves you so much. And he walked out and I had to 
sit there and think about myself. And I said, these five people are good. Some of them laugh at him. Some of them make fun of him. And he doesn't care. Do you know why? Because he only cares about what God thinks about him. When you get full of God, you know what you start realizing? All that matters is what God thinks about me. Why is Brother Jordan on the wall right now? Why is he walking up to people? Excuse me. I won't tell you about the fire of God. I won't tell you about the power of God. Because Jordan's life belongs to Jesus. Why is Heather out there walking up to people saying, oh, Here she is now. Why is she out there telling people about Jesus? Because she is not concerned about what other people think about them. Because their life belongs to God. And when your life belongs to God,
Hey God, I brought you some carrots and some radishes and some beets. I don't like carrots and radishes and beets. Get out of my presence. That's not why it was. God would have taken whatever. You know what God said to Cain when he saw his carrots and his salad dressing and all this stuff? Bro? He said, be careful because sin is in your heart. The reason why I'm going to reject your offering is not because of what you brought me. It's because of how you brought it. Do you know why people never enter the presence of God and the access is denied? Is because of why and how they bring their worship to God. Why is somebody blessed? How come you come to services sometimes? You go to them and you walk in and you see people laying on the floor falling before Jesus. You see people's hearts that are crushed and broke before God. You see people that just they come up and they're just giving everything they have to God. And they walk out and God cleanses their heart. This is what I came out of. I didn't come out of a church. I wasn't cutting my teeth in the church where just teaching. I cut my teeth in a five-hour-long Pentecostal services where I get on my face before God from 7 to 12 at night, weeping before God, and come home where my knee is shaking and get beside my bed and cry out to God because I knew there had to be more to this. And I would wake up in the morning an hour early and pray and get into the shower shaking and thinking about God. And at my lunch break, I would go into the locker room and worship God. Why? Because I had the of the Holy Spirit in my life cleansing me from all those things that are throwing me apart from Him. Yes. Church, they were like, it's good to have you here today and go on and have a coffee in the back after service and shake my head. No! That's fine if that's what you want. But like today is the ministry, we make room for the Holy Spirit. You're either going to worship God broken or you're not going to receive. I remember, I remember when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit. I was 13. Come on, give a call to offering. Come on and tell people why we should worship. Yeah, two minutes. I said, I don't even know how to preach. I don't know how to speak. Took the microphone. It's like something was after me. It felt like rivers were flowing out of me. I don't know how to explain it. I felt healing power, hot anointing go through my life and my body. And I realized I was never going to be in the NBA. I was going to be a preacher. And big God didn't call me to be a preacher. I've been playing right now on the Cavs. Amen. I just come from the all-star break. I'd have had the MVP. That's the worst work I shot now. He called me to be a preacher. What can you do? This is why the enemy sows discord. And I want to touch this. I, I made sure I was going to where I went. I was going to touch this tonight. I'm going to pray for people in just a second. Give me five minutes. When there's offense in your life, the first thing that happens, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. Now listen to this. Listen to, listen to this. Sometimes we think that fornication and pornography and cussing and swearing is, oh, we don't want to do that. And they're wrong. But listen to the class it's in with. Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and factions. When the enemy offends people, this is what he does. He looks at a powerful church. This is what he's going to do a lot of day. I promise you. I know. This is why. Listen. This is why the Spirit of God told me, you start later today. May 3rd will be our first service. May 4th starts 21 days of prayer and fasting. 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., five days a week, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Whatever. I mean, I have to give up gummy bears and potato chips. Whatever you feel you want to fast before God. Because nothing takes off without prayer. You can tell. You know what I tell my team? When you're on my team, you be yourself, do whatever you want to do. But I want people to come in and see that look in your eye. Hello, somebody. I want people that they see the love of God, they see the power of God, but they see you're serious about the kingdom. And that is the eye of the tiger, as Frankie would call it. You don't have the eye of the tiger until you receive foresight in prayer. When you see me, I want you to say, you've got vision in those eyes. Don't look at what I have now. Look at the vision in my heart. And the only way this vision is coming is you join me in prayer. The only way it's coming, we pray. Well, we don't know what to do. We're going to pray. We don't have the money. We're going to pray. We don't have the, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Oh, we're not getting breakthrough in prayer. We're going to throw some 
then everyone, and guess what starts happening? Offense cannot come in. This is what a faction is. This is what the enemy's major plan for churches are. It's called a faction. A faction is when people break up into small groups. When the enemy offends a heart. In a church, the pastor doesn't text him back. The pastor doesn't like their post on Facebook. You know, someone got offended because they said, you don't like my post on Facebook. Oh, this could be a service. You don't like my post on Facebook. Listen, I can't even see people's posts on Facebook. I have a public profile. I don't know what people are posting. They're upset about it. Pastor, you know, you walk past me, you say, I don't there. You know, Pastor, I, and then, you know, you can send me Christmas cards here. <laughs> I think you know what I'm praying for food. Why can't I go to the mall, Pastor? Listen, I understand. But, when offense fills people's heart, it starts to rock. You know what an offended person does? Try to win people to their case. I'm not the only one that should feel this way. Don't you feel this way? Well, I don't feel this way. Well, you start poisoning that person. And when you're jealous, when you're rejecting, and you start acting this way, like King Saul, who got jealous, and the Bible says an evil spirit came, demon spirits come inside and begin to operate in people's lives. It's called a faction. And you know what the purpose of a faction is? If I get offended, I go to Brother Steve. I say, you can't. If Pastor not texting you back, and he never texts me back, and he don't care. He, all he cares about is, you know, big offerings. And absurd stuff starts coming. And guess what he says? Yeah, you know, you're right. I did notice that. Let's go find some other people now. You got 10, 20 people with you. And now the pastor's preaching. He's talking about the power of God. And he doesn't realize he's got 20 people that are mad that he don't text them back. And you know what starts happening? Demon spirits are in operation so that it's 20 to 60, and guess what will start happening? It will then be 30 to 50, 40 to 40. I do my math right. Then before long, the small faction will be the majority, and the majority will be against the church, and the church will be the faction. And then what will start happening? The pastor's message will lose its power. The healing power of God will die. Because a faction came in. Because one person got offended. This is what happens in families. Mom and dad start fighting. Mom's on one side, dad's on the other. You know what they want to do? That's going to kill the children. You know little Joe? Yeah, can't leave your mom. You know little silly? Can't leave your dad. And guess what starts happening? There goes division. And you wonder why prayers don't go answered. This is why church says, you know what? Forget the lattes. Forget the lights and smoke. Forget the uh, peanut butter sandwiches after service. We're going to pray. This is why the church says, you know what? In light of the priority at my church is prayer. Children's church, we started May 3rd. The Lord spoke to me so clearly this week. He said, your responsibility is to raise up children that know how to pray. Our children's church workers, I said, I don't, I don't have anything against VeggieTales and Tom the Tomato and Steve the Cucumber, whatever the names are. I don't have any problems with them. But in my children's church, we have an intense Bible lesson, memory verses, and teaching kids what intercession is, what deliverance is, how to take authority over sickness and disease. You're not too young to cast out devils. You're going to be filled with the new tongue. You're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. You're going to go home, and your parents are going to catch you interceding and praying. You can ask my parents sitting back there. The preschool person in preschool used to call my home and say, this young man is laying hands on kids. They're sitting right there asking about the service. It happened. My parents said, you need to stop laying hands on kids. The service, stop it. I remember one time I had a chalkboard and I remember my mom got mad at me because I broke all the chalk. Preaching had it smash the chalk up and say, you need Jesus. You should line my stuffed animals up and, in Jesus' name. Somebody here needs a healing. I ride my pocket. I give me swagger. 
home five and six and eight and say, Mommy, Daddy, God called me to preach the gospel. Woman yes. come home and say, Look, are you crashing me? No, no, no. I want them to come home full of power. How are we going to get there? We're going to get there by prayer. What is done in secret. You know what? Not going to be offended. The pastor makes me wear these shirts all the time. The pastor makes me wear, the pastor, listen, I don't have all the answers, but you know what I need? I need people that are filled with the Holy Ghost that say, we need troops, the frontline soldiers. March me, move me, move me, march me. And guess what happens when you get vision? Guess what happens when you get prayer? Guess what happens when you don't allow offense to come into your heart? Like Joshua. God told Joshua. Let me read this. I'm done, okay? Can I give you one more thing? Come on. Offended people dwell in the past and are at risk of missing their season. Do you know what a season from God is? Look at here, look at here. I'm almost done. It's like 9.30. Come on. Fridays are still open. Big house is still open to be there. Wings are still hot, man. The reason why offense is bad is because here God is calling the church and said, hey, we're coming to a new season. We're going. We're going in. Come on, we're going. Who's with me? And look behind me. There's nobody there. We used to do that when I was with my cousins and stuff. One of my cousins used to walk fast. They used to be ahead of us. That person would keep walking. they get all the way down. 500 yards and they look around. Where's the person? I mean, you just knew my dad. That's who it was. My dad's a fast walker. He walks like this. He'd be walking in Disney World trying to get to some ride before the park opens, pushing my grandpa in a wheelchair. And all of a sudden, me and my cousins would be like, stop, just stop. Then all of a sudden, my dad would look around and we'd be laughing because nobody was there. Where's everybody at? They don't want to go on the ride. This is what happens when you're in office. God's moving forward. Walk, come on, where to get him? Where to get him? Where to get him? Everybody stops. You know why? Because offense causes you to live in the past. Never look forward to the future. Watch this. God said to Joshua, the season had changed. Israel had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. 40 years of wandering is a long time. Moses finally died. Here's a question for all of you Bible scholars. If Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy, how did they talk about his death then? You come to study the Bible at that point. To you hear my seminary professor go, good job, please make them think. God says, Joshua! Joshua! Joshua says, Yes, Lord. He said, Take my people into the promised land. The time has come. The Canaanites, the Jebusites, Amorites, the mosquito bites, they all belong to you. You know what Joshua didn't say? But God, you kill Moses. You didn't let Moses come in. How do I know you're not going to kill me? How do I know? You know what Joshua said? Let's do it. Joshua went to the spies and said, Go in Jericho. Go down into Jericho. Because guess what happens when we live free from offense? Doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter the confusion. Doesn't matter. You know what starts happening? You start hearing the voice of God. You can always tell when somebody is hearing the voice of God. You know how you know someone's hearing the voice of God? They got confidence. They got excitement. They're dynamic. They got power. They got authority. They got talk. They, 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 they're believable. They're convincing. They're like, yeah, there's someone that's believing the promises of God. Come on, let's go. Let's go. They say, well, I thought you were running with me. You know what? That were his speed. I tell my team, you're gonna have to be my speed. You're gonna have to have my DNA. My speed is not, well, let's just get praying. You gotta cope with God. That's something that misery. No, no, no. We're gonna pray. We're gonna go to battle. We're gonna go to war. We're gonna pray for the kingdom of God to come. Yes. But I hear you me. Okay, it's fine. But when God's moving and miracles and power and the Holy Spirit's falling and people are getting touched, oh, you're not gonna care that the service are wrong. You're not gonna care that we had to pray early in the morning. You're not gonna care. All you're gonna say is, my God. know why? Because they reunited. No place for offense. 
I'm saying, people, if I offended you, come to me. And I'll say, I'm sorry. I offended you, I'm sorry. I'm quick to say, I'm sorry. I'm sure my future wife one day will appreciate that. Guys, you want your wife to be intimate with you again? Don't say you're sorry. I can't say that, well, goes a long way in the relationship. Women, you want your husband to look at you those earrings you want from Kate Jewelry? Every kiss begins with K. Every kiss begins with I'm sorry. Every kiss begins with I'm sorry. Amen. Stand your feet tonight. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.